1: This is a phenomenal technology that a lot of brands, when they start deploying it and they start seeing their numbers, wow, you know, if you are able to show the consumer the product actually they're they are going to wear on their own face, you know, the likelihood for them to click that buy button just go up quite a bit.
0: In the past few years, the evolution of digital retail experiences has really picked up. And in the beauty space, there are already huge changes happening.
1: The beauty brands, some of our clients are even over hundred years old. And digitization, you know they just started to do that in the last one, two, three years. So I think we have just started this process where they are now spending less in traditional marketing and moving the dollars into technology. And I think that is unstoppable.
0: Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. And over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. AI and AR technologies are rapidly becoming table stakes for most retail experiences, and today's guest is leading the charge. On this episode, we're talking to Louis Chen, Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at Perfect Corp, which trades under the symbol P-E-R-F. Perfect is an AI and AR powered beauty tech solutions provider and Lewis leads the company's corporate development, strategic partnerships and marketing efforts. He joined Perfect when it was established back in June 2015 starting as Vice President of Business Development and Marketing. Prior to that, Lewis spent 12 years at Cyberlink where he served as VP of Business Development and Marketing, heading the consumer business. Lewis has a master's degree in computer science from National Taiwan University. He joined me from his office in Taipei to tell us about Perfect's groundbreaking technology and how it's transforming the beauty industry. Let's enter the arena with Lewis Chet.
1: Perfect is a technology company. We very much focus on developing software as a service, Uh, very much dedicated to help the consumer, the beauty shoppers. And so we play in the vertical of the beauty industry. And more recently, we expanded also to cover the fashion industries, including accessories and watches and jewelries. So essentially what our product does is allow consumer, you know, pre-purchase when they are engaging the product through e-commerce, be able to virtually try on the product such as put on makeup on your face, right? try the different pair of uh, you know, watches and, and earrings. So anything that consumer-based virtually can shop online, now you'll be able to try that directly from your smartphone. So it, it really helped you know, bridge the gap between the consumer and the brand when they are doing e-commerce. Why did you choose beauty as your initial market, Louis? We were originally a spun-off company from another technology company called CyberLink. So Cyberlink has been in the market much longer, it went public in 2001, and you were developing a lot of consumer multimedia software. In 2015, when the smartphone, the selfie generation came, right? the smartphone selfie camera, the front facing camera started to become available on these smartphones, we have seen you know, a boom, especially here in Asia first, where you know, consumers are taking a lot of selfie images. And before they were sharing socially those images, they were retouching the images to make it look a bit better. So we wanted to create a a software, an app in the beginning, that uh, would make the selfie look better. And and so that was our very first app called You Can Perfect. And and we launched that in in 2014, 2015. And it was really immediate success, right? Without spending so much in marketing, we were seeing our first million downloads in the first three months of the app. Then another three months later, we see our first five million downloads. And then it was just doubling every three months. So, so we we kind of start thinking, okay, if the consumer really wants to take a nice selfie images, what can we do to make the image even better, especially for women? And makeup, the concept of makeup, beauty came really, you know, instantaneously say, so, oh, you know, after you take a nice photo, you may want to put some shades on, on the face and it looks better. And so we, we kind of challenged our engineering team to say, you know, you know, can you do that simpler? Because I think for the different audience, a teenager, you know, a woman, they probably are not, you know, geek. So they probably want something that is much simpler to use. So that's where we started to test this concept. And a few months later, global leaders in the beauty industry have noticed this app and call us up and say, hey, we, we saw your app. You can make up very interesting technology. Can we learn more about you you know we like to use this technology in our beauty counters and that's how he started uh you know our journey with the the vertical in beauty
0: Louis, how big is the total addressable market in beauty and i know that fashion is a part of what you do and there's some other things that you could eventually do but just in beauty what is that total addressable market today
1: so um we are playing in the in the space of the beauty tech right so it's really a, a marriage between technology and beauty And some third-party research, uh, you know, in this area that we have seen, they estimated the beauty tech market, the TAM, is probably around $2 billion per year, right? So I think the brands are investing more in digital transformation. They are putting on more technology to help them build the D2C, the direct-to-consumer business. So this is a growing area. And then I think, uh, as I said, third-party research estimating, you know, multi-billion-dollar business.
0: If I'm one of your customers, and I know you have beauty brands all over the world. Explain how it actually works for me, your multi-channel approach, uh, which I think is so fascinating. It doesn't matter the device or if you're in the store. How do you approach that to solve those um, challenges for your customers?
1: So the recent uh, journeys that the beauty brands are deploying is certainly to offer the same experience, right? Whether you use it online, on social media, on YouTube or in the store. So the, one, the first, first thing that they will do is, for example, uh, when you go to a brand.com, to their website, right? So in the previous generation, uh, you know, the experience is very much you browse endless catalog of product with images, photo, uh, a lot of model images to help you understand their product. And now they're adding, simply said, they're adding a button that say virtually try on this product, right? Do you want to try it? So, as consumer is browsing these in their smartphone, you'll be able to just with a tap of a button turn on the camera of the smartphone and start trying the looks instantaneously on your face. And the same assortment of product, let's say you know 50 different shades of uh, of lipstick, now it's also been available in offline in store through just a very simple iPad, right? So there's a fixture, a small you know mirror device in the store where the consumer don't need to actually pick up the physical samples and try to put it on their lip, which is for now the hygienic concerns and others, you'll be able to really just watch into a mirror. And, and one of my, my clients, uh, you know, when they launched these services, their slogan was 30 shades in 30 seconds. They compared that with the traditional approach. On average, you know, a beauty shopper, when it comes to the store, they only try two to three colors of lipstick at most, because it's just very time consuming. If you have to put it on, you have to clean it. And if you look at their catalog, they have, you know, 50, 60, 80 shades of lipstick. So how they get consumers to try more has been really their pain point. And our technology helped them solve that. And last thing on the Omnichannel, we also have seen that brands are now also investing more in social commerce, right? So whether it's on Snap or on Instagram. So our technology is also connected to these different social platforms, so the same skew, the same shade of lipstick that consumer can try on their social page, on the e-commerce, or on the store will have all exact same results because we help them build the same engine that create the artificial colors, the virtual colors. So by doing that, we maintain the consistency across different channels so consumers are always getting the same result no matter they are in which type of channels.
0: I can't even imagine how many samples that the average uh, customer might go through now esg is a very important part of everyone's mission these days how does your product help your customers achieve their esg goals
1: traditionally the beauty industry relies so much on sampling right so a lot of tester a lot of waste in there we have a client in japan uh, which is kao and they are a the global company they manufacture produce a lot of uh, uh, hair dye you know, color hair dye products and traditionally, without this technology, when you go to the shop and you look at the shelf, there's endless colors. And outside of each package, there's always a, a little wig, right, a, a fake plastic hair to show to the consumer what your color or your hair looks like if you, you know, uh, use these products. And, and last year, uh, the color board have decided to, you know, scrap that, right, so to reduce the, the plastic use. And then mm-hmm. instead, just print the QR code Right. So the consumer who comes to that and pick up the product, you scan and snap that with the smartphone, you turn on the camera and you start trying the different colors on your own hair. And by doing that, they just published the ESG report that uh, they save 56 tons of wasted plastic just by doing that. Right. And that's just one brand. Imagine all the brands in the world, if they are doing that and more and more. And then sampling the lipstick, you know, creams, all type of beauty product. That is a very significant save not to mention you know, the shipping costs and the return. Another angle that uh, another kind of client told me was, originally they were expecting that using this technology, of course, was to help them improve their sales. But one side benefit that they got was they lowered the return rate by about nine to 10% on average. So because the consumer kind of get a better idea what they're ordering, so when the product get to their home, they are returning less because they already know, oh, this is a shade that I want, it go well with my skin tone, it go well with my style. So I think that also saves uh, you know, energy from, from a broader angle. So when you go in and you talk to a
0: potential customer, how do you explain uh, the ROI kind of in dollars and cents? What could it mean to them?
1: Right. So you know, after being in this industry for seven years and you know, deployed this in over 500 beauty brands, we certainly have a under- better understanding of how this affects the consumer purchase journey. And there are typically a few key indicators, key drivers, that, uh, you know, we've we seen helping move the needle, right, for a consumer. Uh, the number one is the number of basket size, right? The, the average basket size is, uh, is bigger. So on average, we've seen you know, about 15% bigger basket size, just because, you know, when the more people try, the more they buy. This is the basic science behind it. So that's number one. Number two is improvement in conversions, Right. So I think there's a lot of time if it's a new product the consumer has not bought yet, there's a lot of doubt. Does that work for me? You know, do I want to go through the trouble of returning the product if it doesn't fit? And all, all that doubt can be easily solved by virtual try on technology. So when we have seen these and it depends on different brand implementation, but, you know, at the lower end, we see at least a 30% improvement in conversion rate. On the top end, we see 200, 300%, right? So I think this is a phenomenal you know, technology that a lot of brands, once they start deploying it and they start seeing their numbers, that, wow, you know, if you are able to show the consumer the product actually they are, they're going to wear on their own face, you know, the likelihood for them to click that buy button just go up quite a bit.
0: I think you're saving um, your customers on the labor line as well. You might need fewer sales people in the department stores. I have to think that that, you know, at a time when the labor expense line is rising around the world, uh, that has to also be a savings for them.
1: Exactly. And, and not only the cost perspective, you know, the brands are telling us that it is so hard to hire the people, right? So. And also the consumer, sometimes they don't want to be sold. They just want to have the experience by themselves. They want to take their time to try to find the right product. You know, if you walk into a Sephora and Alta, there's so many products on the shelf and it literally takes you hours to go through every aisle. And I think these technology really allow consumer, you consumers know, to have their control And then if they have more, you know, selection, you know, final decision, expertise, recommendation, they can go to what we call the BA, the beauty advisors in the store.
0: What is generally your go-to-market strategy now and how has that evolved in the past couple of years?
1: It went through a big transformation in the last seven years, right? So when we started in 2015, you know, overall, the beauty industry isn't very digital yet. So so we have to spend quite a lot of time to educate and to prove and show the the effect, right, you know, uh, the ROI uh, to the brand. So we started in the luxury space, right, the top beauty groups, the top 20 beauty groups, and because they always have, we call the innovation budget, right? They try always to innovate something new. So a few of these brands, you know, started to pilot test this, you know, in UK, in Southeast Asia, in Japan, and they're starting to measure some results. And after they have seen that, well, this technology is really, you know, really helping the consumer. So they were bringing this more into the global scale. I think in the beginning, you know, I still remember we didn't dare to even tell our customer this was augmented reality. That word itself was scaring them away. Oh, what's that? Uh, But now, of course, people understand what's AR and, and, you know, it's been used in different verticals now. So I I would say the go-to-market strategy has been, you know, certainly broadened quite a bit because now with so many success stories, uh, so many peer brands are using them. I would say the the sales cycle has become much shorter, right? Because now I don't really, our sales team don't really need to explain too much to a new client what this does. It's very simply, we put out the phone and you can visit, you know, three, 400 websites and to say how other people are implementing this. Each brand have their DNA, their identity. So they are using this, you know, in, in a certain way that shows their brand value and their brand culture. And I think this is really the cycle. More recently, after the pandemic, We've seen really, of course, you know, the offline sale was a little bit, you know, soft for the last two years, but uh, the online sales was growing really, really quickly because the brain suddenly are investing, saying, well, that's the only channel we got now. So uh, why don't we invest more in there? So I think the online consumption is growing really, really quickly on, on this space. And more recently, the smaller merchants, the smaller brands are now catching up and hey, I need to have this as well. So we are seeing now a democratization It's not only just for the luxury and prestige, but uh, the entire industry.
0: What is the company's geographic footprint right now? And how did you get to be such a global brand so quickly?
1: Beauty is a very global category. And traditionally, you know, the, the majority of the half of the beauty product are coming from France, U.S., and Japan more recently, a little bit from Korea. We serve uh, you know, clients in over 80 countries, but uh, the source uh, of the brand are mainly you know, in, in these three or four countries I mentioned. So from day one, we try to focus our business development on those key markets, because we knew that uh, we need to get the key players in this industry to start believing and trying this technology. And it's going to you know, have that ball- balling pin effect to uh, get more brands on board. So geographically, uh, you know, about half, a little bit over half of our revenue are coming from United States, right? So from the U.S. client, which is a very big, they are moving very fast in, in digital transformation. We are very dominant in Japan, right? I think we have over 90% market share in Japan. Almost every Japanese beauty brands are there are using our technology to do their digital transformation. So uh, Japan is about, you know, it is a smaller market compared to US but it is a good market so it's about 10 to 15% of our revenue footprint. And then Europe, majority France but also some of these continental Europe European countries generate another 10 to
0: 15%. When you think about the applications of AI and AR, the sky is really the limit. I asked Lewis where he sees potential for new areas of growth for the technology and their customer base.
1: I think in the the last two years, uh, we see more and more demand for personalization. And and specifically for beauty, right? Beauty is also a very personal category, right? Everybody likes something different. The shape of your face, the shape of your eye, the color of your skin, the color of your hair, they're all very different. So, not the same product will apply to all. And one of the key challenges that uh, brands I to you know, offer a better experience is having, you know, the e-commerce that are very tailored to personalized recommendations, right? So just not try to sell you the best seller because that may not fit your skin type, right? Maybe you are oily skin versus somebody who is maybe a dry. So I think the AI technology is going to play a critical role here to help understand by right, using just visual image, AI data to understand the state of your skin, your skin concerns, right? how you compare that with your cohort, like somebody about the same of your age, what kind of product you should use and what kind of you know, uh, routine you should go through. So I think the AI is going to unlock that. So I I think we have seen this, you know, some sort of telemarketing, but also tailored more for personalization to be the next big wave. So this is what we have been starting to work in the last two to three years. So when the consumer comes to uh, our app, for example, before this technology existed, there were so many looks on our app. I think it was over 2000. And it's just, although you can try it easy simply, but... No consumer is going to browse through 2,000 looks. Now with this technology, be able to analyze the facial traits, I think we do about 84 different facial traits, and with the big data, we kind of cross-reference what celebrities are wearing, what other people are wearing, you know, that have the same physical characteristic of yours, and then be able to give them a more selected, you know, uh, collection to try on. And that is also helping the consumer satisfaction
0: just makes everything more efficient. I know your new shareholders want you to focus on the beauty category and you're doing a great job of that, but there are other adjacencies that down the road, this technology really could apply to, and I've read about a few of them, but maybe you can take our listeners through the different possibilities of of categories that you could be in with this basic core technology.
1: Right, what we try to do is really to blend the, the real and the virtual, right? So by using the camera, on the smartphone, and you know, there are so many lenses on our camera now, so the quality, the realism of this technology is just you know, improving every year. So we have makeup, you can try on makeup, and then we spend into to eyewear, right? So sunglasses, you know, different frames, and then we now spend spending it to jewelries, right? We realize that that's something that consumers really want to put on their hands or on their neck before they make a purchase. So the technology help you select different necklace, different rings, right, different bracelets, and then from there, we say, okay, now that we have technology to trace the movement of your hand. So, you know, it's, it's super fascinating. You just need to turn on the camera, you point at your arm, and then you have, you know, different watches, super real, realistic that you can try on. So I think this is just a starting point, right? So uh, we are building, you know, a large catalog of products that consumer can try. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, in the beauty space, our database now has over half a million products for people to try in the beauty category. Uh, we just started in eyewear and in jewelrys and in watches, and that is our mission. It's almost like you walk into a shopping mall, right? You have so many brands, and you can choose every every one of them just right into uh, from your smartphones. And then going beyond that, certainly more other category, right? We we are a team of about 300, 320 people. So we try to tackle this problem one by one and helping the different industries to digitize, right, their products and offer the experience one by one. So, we, you know, it won't be a secret to, to think about what we're going to do in you know, in the in the fashion, in shoes, anything that virtually you can buy, you want to try on yourself, will be in our radar,
0: Let's focus in on uh, the financial performance of the company. Uh, certainly, in the first half of the year, you were up 35 percent year over year, which is incredible in this environment. What drove the the momentum in those results, and how do you feel about the sustainability of growth uh, over the coming quarters and years?
1: I think we just started this process, right? The beauty brands, you know, um, some of my clients are even over 100 years old, right? They are very uh, in a well known household brand. And digitization, you know, they just started to do that in the last one, two, three years. So I think we have just started, you know, this process where they are now spending less in traditional marketing and moving the dollars into technology. And I think that is unstoppable, right? That is a place that uh, they are going to see better returns than just through a traditional advertising business. So I think this is uh, where the growth, you know, drive engine, if we look at, uh, you know, the macro is coming, is more and more the brand that try to modernize their business through digital innovations. Uh, Certainly, I think, you know, this year with the macro challenging, but uh, the beauty is it's a much more resilient business. Right. We, we have seen, you know, up and down. But if you look at their financials, you know, a lot of our clients are public companies. They are still growing, you know, a good double digit, even in this year. Right. So I think, uh, you know, probably if there were a recession coming, you know, typically build industry would be the less hit. Right. I remember back then we talked about the lipstick index, you know, how that helped, you know, whether the economy is good or bad, you know, people like to look better. Right. So I, I think that is kind of the power behind. So it's the macro trend of investing more in digital. More brands in you know, coming and beauty category as an overall global category, you are right. It is a growing category. People are buying more beauty. We didn't have the time to talk today about you know, men's grooming market. Right? This is something new. I learned recently that my most some of my brand they started to have, you know, one or two brands under the group very much tailored for the for the male shoppers. And especially here in Asia, we have seen that. And I think this trend will continue.
0: How do you as a management team, how do you think about allocating capital balancing growth and profitability you know particularly in this environment which is is not easy what are your thoughts on that lois
1: uh, the core of the company is technology right so i think we develop 100% of our technology in house and we want to continue that way i think that gives us a competitive edge and that's why we are winning this market and leading competition by you know at least 2 to 3 years so that would not slow down our development team here, here in asia in taiwan you know, very strong technology base compared to Silicon Valley or other uh, region is much more cost affordable and the team is very stable. Right. So I think this really create a great synergy among different technical team to build product fast. I think that will continue. Recently, we went public now in NYSE. Now that the model is proven, right? we now have hundreds of clients. We try to make this bigger and faster in more regions. So I think geographical locations, right, try to set up more teams, for example, in Southeast Asia, even in Middle East, will be something interesting, right? Those are not traditionally the big, let's say, the beauty capital of the world, but it is an emerging market. There's so many young people shopping for beauty, and the beauty brand are also paying more attention to these markets. So I think that will certainly, you know, uh, create more demand. So I think the sales marketing team in those regions will will still continue,
0: You obviously have a long runway for growth organically. How about acquisitions? Obviously, that's another way to grow even quicker. What are your thoughts on that as a a potential way to create value for shareholders?
1: Absolutely. So this is certainly uh, one thing that is also in our radar, right? Organic growth is is the core foundation of it. But if there's a good synergetic opportunity, that can help us accelerate, you know, achieving our our goals, you know, we will consider that, right? So we will not do the acquisition for the sake of doing it, but uh, you have to come really good marriage, a good synergy. And I think one of the things I look at is uh, now that we already have a global distribution network, right? Be able to take in, you know, different vertical solutions that is still in the AR or AI domain that we are, We'd be able to really put that into our platform and then all of a sudden distribute to more potential clients, right? So that will create value to, to our shareholders.
0: Louis, one, one thing that I think is so interesting is that you have a real view into consumer behavior, probably in real time. There's a fear of recession around the world and inflation is squeezing people's wallets are you seeing a change in consumer behavior kind of right now versus six months ago versus a year ago? Or are things uh, are things changing out there with the consumer or are they pretty resilient in terms of the beauty category?
1: In the last six months or this year, the major change has been affected coming from China. Right. The other region outside of China, I think the beauty shoppers are still very healthy and, and the beauty brands are doing fine. So I don't see there's a change in the shopping patterns. And beauty, per se, is in a very expensive category. So so if people are trying to cut down their expenses, you know, typically beauty will be one of the least things they'll do. You know, lipstick will just cost you $10, $20 at most. So so that is something that uh, seems to be very resilient. Uh, The the reason I mentioned China, of course, of the policy, the pandemic going around there, we've seen, you know, the sales of beauty uh, has been, you know, lower. And traditionally, China has been the key driver for growth. For a majority of the beauty brands in, in the last decade, virtually saying.
0: When investors, in your opinion, don't fully understand the story, what do they miss? What do they not fully understand about how valuable your enterprise is?
1: This is a very good question. I, I still remember, you know, in our early days when when we were raising in you know, our very first round of financing, majority from VC community. And, you know, very often they certainly have no idea what we are trying to do and the impact that this will bring. And some of the savvy investor, they will go back and talk to their wife, talk to their daughters. And then the next day they'll call me back and say, oh, and now I fully understand how women are going to benefit from your technology. And that dialogue will be a lot easier. Uh, now it's, it's, it's a global beauty is very, you know, uh, uh, common now, you know, even across investor community. So I think that type of challenges has been you know, reduced, uh, but they're still there, right? So I think there's a, a lot of, uh, you know, technology investors that they are very expert in technology per se, but they really have less experience in beauty. And when I talk to analysts, right, uh, you know, these days, and this is something very interesting that always come up in the meeting, is the debate whether which analysts who cover us, whether it's the consumer, in the beauty space, the retail, or the technology. And we've seen that some of the banks they're starting to work innovative uh, that they're marrying, right? So it's going to be co-coverage. They'll be having both analysts because some of them are following your clients, so they know what the beauty brands are asking for, what the earning calls are talking about, right? And then you have the SaaS company who are trying to see the pattern how technology is changing different enterprise, you know, e-commerce business. So it's it's an interesting transformation, and it's good for us, I think.
0: I do too and it's interesting every company is going to be a, a technology company in the future and so to see you know the the consumer analyst and the technology analyst kind of moving in the same direction is not a surprise when you say that you met a lot of investors and they went home and they talked to their wife or their daughters or whatever in preparing for this interview I feel like I learned a lot you know and so I think the average man who doesn't think about this really it's an eye opener because if if you're not shopping for lipstick, you don't really get it.
1: Yes, I have to give value to our founder CEO Alice Chen. You know, she is a woman entrepreneur in technology. You know, it's very not very common. And one thing that we are very lucky to have her is because she's a woman. Is a beauty shopper. Right. So she has been shopping beauty for her entire life. So she's really the one to understand the pain point of a beauty shopper, you know, what the woman has to go through. So there's a lot of these things that bring her to her personal life that really uh, you know, shaped the, the vision of this company.
0: Tell me about uh, your management team.
1: This is a very seasonal experience management team. You know, I work with Alice for, this is my 20th year, right? If you look at our CTO, we work together for the last 22 years. Uh, so this is a team that uh, we together uh, work at Stibling, right, to the pub company public in 2001 and, and be really a phenomenal company that are very dominant in consumer PC software. And, and so this is the same team. So I think this is a team that already have, uh, you know, over 20 years experience dealing with capital market, right? Understand how to grow a, a global business. And that's how we set up from day one, right? So from day one in 2015, at the spin-off, we already have 80 developers. We have six global offices around the world and doing the global business from day one, because we truly believe, you know, this is the way for software. It's always the old saying, the winner takes all. So you have to really have that goal and the vision to really build it for the global audience.
0: Lewis and his team have smartly utilized their expertise to target a huge addressable market with lots of opportunity for expansion. It's an exciting company that's really just getting started. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon to be public companies. Thanks for listening. I wanna thank Lewis Chen for joining me today. There's so much potential with this technology and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it next. This is Tom Ryan, we'll see you next time back in the arena.